And we're back. Generations talking about my sports generations. As always, I am Jonathan. And I'm Steve. How's how's everybody doing? So we are, for those that don't know, the production of this show has ebbed and flowed. And we've done a lot better, in my opinion, definitely over the last several months. But we just got a brand new set of squirrels running in the cage for Steve's interwebs. And so Steve is working from his lovely home versus my kitchen. And so we're actually able to do these remote. And uh, we're trying this out for the first time on his new fancy souped up gateway at his home. And uh, Steve is coming in loud and clear and looks great. In the desert, in my home in the desert. Um, and for those of you who showed up for our pizza party, fan appreciation party, thank you very much for showing up. It was a great time. Fun was had by all. People came from as far away as Sacramento, and I think everyone had a great time, including myself. So we're, we're going to definitely have to do this again probably when we get to another milestone, another listing milestone. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for those that, that came and for those that thought about it. We appreciate you thinking of us as well. And today we've got a really fun topic because Steve hit me up with it a few days ago and it was like, oh yeah, like just a whole bunch of thoughts came to mind. And we also got a ration from our listeners at the listener party that we definitely have to do a part two of the sports movies because so many people, I mean, we appreciate everyone who listens and we appreciate everyone's passion and we appreciate their opinions. And I just didn't think we were going to get such a strong reaction <laughs> because we neglected to mention, you know, some of the more standard movies, but uh, it's great. We love it. And it looks like we got to do a part two, but lay down, uh, lay down today's topic there, Steve. Well, today's topic, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's going to be very good conversation and I think will be a true generations because this is a sports issue that has changed over the generations probably 180 degree and gotta be gotta you know I have the, all the um everything out there on the table so no no surprises but um this show's idea was originated by my wife Kate who said I think this would be a great show now She's a she's a fair weather sports fan. She likes watching the last two minutes of most games because she feels that's where all the action is. But this was, I thought, a great idea. And the idea is, I, before I tell you what the actual title is, I'm going to give you a quote. It's been attributed to a lot of people, but I think the most likely source is, is Vince Lombardi. And the quote is, when you get in the end zone, act like you've been there before. And... Uh, the, the story is he said that to Travis Williams, who scored a touchdown on a kickoff return and then danced around. And we're going to talk about celebrations. And we're going to talk about sports celebrations and how they've changed and what they mean and what we think about them. And I'll just start because if you watch films from the 60s, and we'll just let's just stick with football to begin with, but we'll talk about all the sports. You watch Jim Brown or Paul Horning or Jim Taylor or anyone score a touchdown, <clears throat> or Deacon Jones make a sack. You know, they just, you know, they sack the guy, they jog back to the huddle. They, they score a touchdown, they flip a ball to the official, and they just go back. I mean, half the time the teammates don't even pat them on the back. 
And it's just that that's how they did things back then. They didn't do elaborate end zone dances. They didn't pull pins out of their sock and autograph something. They didn't do, you know, shake their booty. They didn't throw the ball in the stands. It was just business. And I'm reminded of a story I read, and this is not sports, but I think, Jonathan, you'll be able to relate to this because of your military background. So the year is 1976. Jimmy Carr's in the White House. And fairly quickly, he alienates almost everybody. And, you know, he was he was this, you know, gentleman from Plains. He was this average guy. He did not play the Washington social scene. But that's why he alienated everyone. Jimmy Carter was a naval officer, and he served under Admiral or probably, I'm not sure if Admiral's the highest ranking in the Navy, but Admiral Rickenhauser, who I guess developed the nuclear submarine, which you later served on. And he said that when he, he was like, you know, the second in command because he was, he was a very high-ranking naval dude. And he said... The greatest compliment you could get from from Admiral Rickenhauer was was nothing. So if he came and inspected your quarters, looked around, made sure everything was done exactly right, he would turn around and walk out without saying a word. And that was like high praise. And Jimmy Carter apparently took this shtick to the White House. So people came to the White House and did a great job. He just dismissed them. He didn't he didn't say thank you. He didn't say great job. And people got resentful about that because they want to be told they got a good job. But the reason I'm telling you this story is it's not about military traditions or anything. I just think that back in the 60s and 70s, most men jocks thought they were doing work and you didn't get complimented for doing your job. You just didn't. So if you busted a run for eight yards and scored a touchdown on the famous Green Bay sweep behind you know Jerry Kramer and Fuzzy and um, Forrest Gregg, and you scored a touchdown, you're expected to score a touchdown. And the whole team did not rally around you and start shaking out their dance moves. They just, you know, you went in and then now the defense is on the field and then you're going to go back again. And somewhere along the line that changed. And I just think it's fascinating that that it changed. And I just want to, I want to get out there right away that I'm not get off your lawn or get off my lawn. I like it. I, I like the celebrations. I don't like it when they're contrived. I don't like when they're too BSE, but the show of real emotion when someone does something great and the 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 moves and the spikes and the hugs and everything, I, I think it's great, but I think it's gone a little too far towards the kind of World Wrestling Federation shtick. So what do you think, Jonathan, about the old days where they didn't celebrate? So I love it. I love it all. I don't care. I like it when they try to be a little bit more creative some of them are corny you know the whole bowling pin whoever did that where they tried to knock down all the offensive linemen in the end zone not a fan of that um i understand i was looking it up today in 2010 the nba banned a lot of hand gestures especially any hand gestures alluding to guns or mowing people down um, the, the the throat slash, you know, you get an automatic technical foul for that. So, the, so, so I understand those kinds of things. But to your point, showing raw emotion and, you know, Steph shimmy, um, you know, when you do the three, three ball on the eyes to show, hey, I see you and a three. I, I, I'm I'm down for all of it. I'm here for all of it. The more creative, the better. I am not a 
you know, but we're remiss. We're, we, we jumped way ahead, I think. And I think we probably lost some people on the way. And so maybe we should back up. Let's let's roll through because we were having this discussion the other day. Let's roll through the advent of the celebrations. And and you actually were able to lay down a few things that that I wasn't even aware of. I thought Billy White Shoes Johnson was was the first and he was really just the one who maybe made it more popular. But let's back up and start from the beginning and then that might help everyone else catch up. Okay. My understanding is that the first spike in the NFL was by a guy named Homer Jones. Homer Jones was a big man. He was a he was like a Terrell, Terrell Owens type on the Giants in the 60s. And when he scored a touchdown, which he scored plenty of, he would take the ball from his right hand and just spike it. It wasn't a it wasn't like a Gronk spike. It wasn't like a wind up or anything. But he would he would knock the ball down and and bounce it up. And my understanding, he was the first spike guy. So then college people began emulating that. And so, of course, the NCAA immediately banned spiking. So in 1969, after the NCAA banned spiking, a guy named Elmo Wright from the University of Houston was the first guy who did a dance. That wasn't really a dance, but he'd score and then he'd pump his arms like he was sprinting in place. And now that was, that was considered a dance. But yeah, my understanding is those were the first recorded spikes and touchdown celebrations in the NFL. So we're talking about 65 and 69. I, with you, I don't actually remember any celebrations until Billy White Shoes Johnson, which was in basically 1975. So I remember 1975. I remember the Oilers, Love You Blue. I like Bum Phillips. I, of course, loved Earl Campbell. Dan Pastorini from Santa Clara was their quarterback. And I liked them, and they always came up a little short against the Steelers, but they were a, they were a solid, solid team. But this guy named Billy White Shoes Johnson, who was small, he was drafted out of a uh, historically black college, I can't remember which one it was, but he could return kicks. And when he returned the kicks, he would go in the end zone, and he'd hold the ball up in one hand, his other up in the air, and he'd do the funky chicken, which, you know, where, where you gyrate your knees. And it was based on a soul song by Rufus Thomas, whose one of his best songs was Walking the Dog. So Rufus Thomas is a famous soul singer. I guess Billy Johnson had some kinship with him and did this dance. And it was great. I remember it. I mean, and that was that was fun. That was funny. That was great to watch. Everyone seemed to like it. And it was really good. And so that's I think that's kind of where it got popular. The guy I remember best besides Billy was Icky Woods. Icky Woods in the late 90s, he was a rookie and in his rookie year, he scored 15 touchdowns, and he did the icky shuffle, which is, you know, hand ball in one hand, a couple steps to the left, a couple steps to the right, back and forth, and then a spike, and then I think a woo, and it was fun. And, you know, I, I think probably some people in the league were offended by it, thought it was contrived or something, but, you know, it was good, clean fun. And, and the best part of it, maybe not the best part of it, but the part that makes most sense to me is Icky Woods only played a couple seasons. So although Vince Lombardi says, you know, when you get to the end zone, act like you've been there before. I'm kind of like, hey, when you get to the end zone, celebrate because you might not get there again. Icky Woods blew at his knee probably two years later. And and anyway, so those are my two big touchdown celebrations I remember from my generation. But, you know, in the 60s, in, in, in the late 60s, watching the Rams, Roman Gabriel, uh, stuff like that. I mean, I don't remember any celebrations. I mean, people score a touchdown and they toss the ball back. I mean, 
Deacon Jones sacked a lot of guys, and he didn't do any dances like like Mark Gastineau did when when the the Jets had their New York sack exchange. And I I, I tell you, I mean, I'm all in favor of it, but I think it's about picking your spots because you know it's it's you know it's the it's the fifth game of the season, and it's the third quarter. You're you're up by ten, and you sack a guy, and you do a wild dance. I mean, it's got to be proportional, and that's why we'll get to this later. But the bat flips. The, the celebrations after shot blocks and stuff, I think they're better when they're genuine and they're really, really emotional. And I think it also, in my mind, has a big difference between the working man kind of ethos of the 60s and 70s to the kind of, you know, superstar performer of the 90s, 2000s. Don't you think there's a big difference? I can't hear you, Jonathan. Let's look at kind of like you said, generations. I think there was a lot of things that changed. And I'm not saying these were direct correlations, but these could be reasons why things change. But we've talked about this on previous episodes regarding free agency. And I think as players began to get more power and more agency for themselves, they were, you know, the, and of course it, it had to start with some of the better players, some of the better players who would have more power because they were star players could create or do or express themselves in, in certain ways. And I don't want to say that it was tolerated but maybe tolerated is a way of saying it but it wasn't i think it was still frowned upon but they kind of quote unquote got away with it and they got away with it because of the power that they had because they were a star player or because things started to change free agency so you know we've been talking about touchdowns as as an example but the other thing was pimping home runs i think reggie might be one of the first you know, Reggie was one of the first where, you know, if you if you took too long to go around the base pass, if you stopped and watched your home run, if you didn't, you know, just put your head down and run around the bases, you were getting one in the ear hole. And I think Reggie was one of the first where, you know, he'd, he'd jack one and he would stand there and he would marvel at his home run and, you know... <laughs> He kind of would take his little pause before he, he started to run and <coughs> pimp around the bases. Um, in fact, I was just watching. I can't remember who it was, but uh, he hits a home run. He comes up the very next inning. He gets one near the air hole, and, and then he goes out there and creates a big old brawl, you know. And and Reggie wasn't a small dude. Reg, and Reggie was jacked. I mean, if you go look at pictures of him when he was younger, I mean, he was pretty jacked even later in life. But, I mean, when he was playing, there's a picture of him flexing. I mean, he was not a small dude, and he's not a dude that he looked like you wanted to mess with. So he could kind of, quote, unquote, get away with it. And then you yeah, start. But I, mean, but, I mean, getting back to your point about generations, I'm sorry to interrupt, but, you know, no one would have postured or bat flipped or done anything to Bob Gibson or Don Drysdale. I guarantee it. I mean, they wouldn't allow it. I mean, Don Drysdale wouldn't let guys even dig into the plate. He he, because he'd tell stories while I was the Angel commentator when I was listening to the Angel games, and he would say if someone dug in, he'd say you've dug your hole now, get in and throw it at their head. 
And, you know, so I can't imagine hitting a home run off those guys, admiring it, flipping the bat, and then sauntering on the bases. I mean, th- those guys would kill you. I mean, they, they would have, they'd have no problem throwing a 94-mile-hour fastball at your head. Now, I, you know, I'm not saying that they wouldn't, but I think this is where it changed. I think when free agency came and Reggie was kind of that first star free agent, right? He, he goes, he leaves the A's, he goes to Baltimore, and then he signs as a free agent with the Yankees. He goes to two World Series. I mean, he was the straw that stirred the drink. And, you know, Reggie started with Kansas City A's in the, you know, late 60s. So he was in the American League, so he wasn't facing Drysdale and Gibson, but he was very much during their time, and he was doing these things in the American League. I think Reggie was that guy that had the star power, that had the stature, that's like, okay, you want to throw at me? We'll throw. And and you saw that, and I think Ricky, not Ricky, Ricky would, I have Ricky on the brain because I'm thinking about how he really upped up you know the next level of pimping around the bases but i think there were some cultural changes that started to happen in the 70s that allowed some of this also one of the interesting things is most of the very first big celebrations i mean if you want to say anecdotally or coincidentally were black players so you know these black players were were some of the ones first really kind of showing their enthusiasm for the game and kind of showing their celebrations and you know the what is it is it dusty baker is kind of part of the original high five yeah they say dusty baker dusty baker and glenn burke allegedly uh invented the high five but there's a lot of there's a lot of dispute about that some north carolina basketball players said they did it so it's tricky but staying on the generational topic I've seen quotes from from people, and these are like you know the the Charles Barkleys, the Rick Mahorns, the things like that. And they just say, you know, if Steph shimmied and they're if Steph made a three pointer and shimmied down the floor, they would put him in the fourth row. And whether they would or they wouldn't, it's it's hard to say. But it strikes me that what that tells me is that the players of the '60s, '70s, '80s were very uptight. They didn't want to be shown up in any way, shape, or form, and I think also they viewed the game more as, and I think this goes to your point, they viewed the game more as an employee. You know, they they were workers. They worked to do a certain thing, you know, rebound, hit home runs, whatever it is. And that was it. And that was business. It was very important to them. They took it seriously. When sports began taking off and getting bigger and bigger, um, you know, then the fun kind of came in. And I think that's that's where you spoke to it. To me, one of the best, one of the best ones of all time, and it also is a commercial is switching gears to basketballs to Kimmy Matumbo, the finger wag, where he'd block the shot and say, you know, stay out of my house. And that commercial, I think for Geico or something, where he's in the grocery store and like a little kid tell you, it's hysterical. But the best part of that Dikembe one is when Michael Jordan dunked on him and Michael Jordan wagged his finger at him. So that's all like in good fun. Like, yeah, you know, don't be wagging your finger because I can dunk in your face. So I get that. But and in football, you know, they don't really get too upset about it because they try and kill each other every play. So that's not a big deal. But baseball is the last vestige where people still don't want to be shown up. And there's still these people that, you know, get really upset. Now, the one I really liked, I know I'm jumping all over the place, but I was watching a video and it was Jose Bautista's bat flip. Epic bat flip. Epic. I mean, he just, 
he, he, you know, but but the thing that is re reason that is bringing it up is, um, you know, this was 2015 or 16, and it was an AL division series, and it was a walk off. So, I like that stuff because I think it shows true emotion. I don't want to see, you know, robo people. I don't want to see people just going through the motions, no matter how good they are, with no expression on their face, doing their thing, just kind of you know, boringly, and that. I want to see people who are like, wow, something happened in the Iraq like you or I would as a kid. And Jose Bautista, you know, got his pitch, crushed it into the stands in Toronto, and was really happy. And was like, yeah, flipped his bat, like, game over. And I, I think it's cool. Now, you know, Texas got really pissed off, and there was a big fist fight later the next year. But, you know, I like the emotion. I like when, when people score or do something really good, and they show how excited they are because it means something to them. But it's tricky when it rolls into the World Wrestling Federation kind of stuff. See, when we talk about home runs, you know, the bat flip, whatever, I'm actually not that impressed by the bat flip. And here's why. Because the the precedent for that bat flip, again, Reggie Jackson, I mean, was there ever an at-bat where Reggie wasn't swinging from his heels? If if you Reggie Jackson actually only batted 300 once. One time, and it was 300 on the dot, and it was, I believe, it was 1980. Reggie Jackson, actually, you look, he leads, he leads all time career strikeouts, and nobody else is even close. The closest person who ever came was Tomei, and Tomei would have needed like four or five more seasons to be able to get to Reggie. And even the guys that are swinging today, they got a long way to go to get to Reggie. And when you saw him load up and connect on one on that back on that back leg and the fact that he was left-handed, I think helped kind of with that look. And then he would just kind of lean back and gaze at that and watch that home run. I mean, Reggie was even after he left Oakland, he was a hero in Northern California. And then who did we get? We got the master of drip. We got the guy with all the riz. We got Ricky and Ricky would do, he'd hit the home run, you know, lead off home run career leader had a couple of things with the with his on his chest, stick out his fingers, and then he'd pimp around the bases. Every once in a while, you'd get a pirouette. Barry Bonds did a pirouette once against Chanho Park. That was the drip. Then you'd get Jeff Leonard, one flap down, and then you'd have Mel Hall would hit a home run. It would take him like a minute to get around the bases because he was so slow showing everybody up. And yeah, you had Nolan Ryan that was throwing in people's ears. You had guys that were not here for that in the 80s when those guys were doing it, but they didn't do it to Ricky. They didn't do it to Reggie. You know what? And they didn't do it to Jeff Leonard either. Well, I mean, it's a it's an interesting point. I What I like, a, a celebration I like, and I think this is kind of new. I'm not sure who came up with it first. I want to say the Dodgers, but that just might be hometown bias. I like it when in a big game, someone gets a hit, like they get a double, and then they have some hand motion to the dugout, and the dugout kind of responds. And I just think it's cool because baseball is such an individual game. You know, I mean, it's just it's just one guy up at the time and the whole thing. And there's not a lot of interaction. But to me, if, if it's if it's legit, that's very cool. If, if it's contrived, I remember this year they did something. They had some like dance Freddie Freeman did at something. that was kind of a, a, a goof on him that I thought went a little was kind of lame. But when they when you know, you can tell when they do something, and especially because I, I typically watch baseball 
either end of the season or playoffs. And those guys want to win and, and they're excited. And, and in the playoffs, it is a team game. They play hard. So I think, I think that's cool, but yeah, you know, the bat flip, I mean, the thing about baseball is that there's unfair retaliation. You know, you can flip a bat and saunter around the bases, but if someone throws a 93 hour fastball at you, you know, you, you know, hits you in the wrong spot, you could be out for a long time. I mean, I think most people don't do headhunting anymore, but Pulling in their ribs or on their wrist. I mean, they they could be gone for a while, and, and it's a big deal. So that's that's tricky. But I still think there's this, and it's funny because the people who get offended will say, "I'm old school." You know, I I I where you know I'm I'm old school. Don't show me up. And it's like, well, you know, I mean, there's a big difference between sports in the '60s and '70s and today. Today, it's all about entertainment. That's all it is. Asses got to be in the seats. Fans got to be viewing, and it's got to be interesting. I I remember I I was a big fan. I think it was Eric Dickerson's rookie year. And the Rams played the Jets. And that was when Mark Gastineau, Joe Klecko, I can't remember the other guys, they had the New York Sack Exchange. And Gastineau did some, you know, stupid steroided pumped out dance after a thing. And remember Jackie Slater, the great Ram right tackle, who was a very tough man, just said he's not doing that. And Gastineau got some half-assed sack against probably Vince Ferragamo. And Slater jumped him. And the bench is empty. Football bench is empty. But they said... The Jets bench emptied because they wanted to watch Slater beat up Gasno because no one liked Gasno. And Slater just pounded him. And, you know, that that to me is kind of funny. But, you know, I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it it's tricky. And I just I, I, I like it to be proportional. I'd like it to be real. I'm glad they have emotion and and it's all cool. But um, what do you think about the basketball celebrations? So the basketball, you know, we are jumping around a little bit, but the basketball ones, I'm fine. I, I don't mind. Now I get the I get the technical on the the throat slash. I get the technical if you're you know doing some kind of gun related thing. But um, I tell you what, Steph, if you watch if you really watch Steph Curry on the bench as well, not even just on the court, he legitimately is having fun out there, and is having a grand old time. And, you know, when, when he and Clay are out there flying the plane and shooting threes and throwing the goggles up for the good look, I, I'm here for all of that. I mean, basketball, I think, for the most part, is true emotion because you just don't have any time, right? I make a basket. If you're screwing around for too long, right, you, you, it's a 24-second clock. And they have eight seconds to get across the, the half-court line. So things are moving fast. So you don't have a chance to – screw around and and do too much look at me kind of deal um so you know it it is kind of in the moment i was i went and looked this up so it was in 2010 when the league kind of created and it started with the clapping at the refs so you know someone would get teed up or get a foul or something and then kind of you know ironically i guess or mockingly they would clap at the ref like good call ref and that became an automatic technical foul in 2010 so they created that so you couldn't you know you couldn't mock the refs so any kind of hand gesture or anything that would uh you know implicate the refs or show up the refs became an automatic technical foul so it wasn't even like hey you're a bad guy and you're being uh a little hard on me it was just automatic so if, if it happened and they saw it you were going to get called and then they got rid of some of those other hand gestures the, the throat slit and those different types of things and those just became automatic technicals also if you if you walked 
you know, a long ways to approach a, a, a ref after after a call. It was also an automatic technical. So they kind of came up with these these things in back in 2010. For the most part, I think they're fine. But, um, you know, in, in basketball, I think most of them are spontaneous, to your point. The, you know, the contrived ones, I think, are, are corny, but I, I don't mind them. And really just kind of the, you know, again, we kind of started jumping around a lot, but I'm also interested in the celebrations that created rule changes. You well, know, let, me, first, let me get back. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, the, and with the first one really was uh, Emmett Smith when he used to take his helmet off in the end zone. See, I didn't remember that. I want to stick with basketball for just a minute because I still, I'm still big on generations. So 1979, everything changes in the world of basketball. Magic joins the Lakers. He led Michigan State to the title, and now he's a rookie. First game, Lakers against San Diego. That's when back when San Diego had a team. And Lakers are down by one, four seconds left. Magic takes the ball, throws it to Kareem. Kareem throws a sky hook up. They win, right? Magic comes running over and just embraces Kareem. And if you watch it, Kareem is like cringing, like, dude, this is game. We got 81 more games. What are you, what are you doing? Isn't that wasn't even a preseason game? No, it's game one of it was game one of the regular season. It and was game you, one. You could just tell Kareem was like, "What is wrong with this guy?" But and 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 you know, I'm 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 a huge Magic fan, and I think that you know the way you speak about Steph, I speak about Magic. Magic was very genuine on the court. Magic wanted to win. Magic wanted to have fun winning, and he just he was one of these guys. So I, I think really before Magic. Guys were not big on showing emotion on the floor. And they they had stone faces and they did their thing. And, you know, now and then. But Magic, I think, ushered in an era where, you know, guys would hug each other. Guys would high five all the time. Now there's a thing which I, I think is kind of cool. It's not it's a little off the topic of celebrations. But if you notice, when guys shoot free throws in the NBA, after they make a free throw, every guy on the team comes up and they they touch hands. I mean, it, it's a thing. And even if and, they miss. Well, I don't know why they touch hands if they miss, but anyways. They do. Even when they I, miss, they do it. I, 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 I'm with you. I don't understand it. Anyways, my point is I think a big change in, in, in the way players act is the big change in society. People are a lot more demonstrative now than they were 20 years ago, just like 20 years before that. In the 50s, in the Eisenhower era, no one did anything, and now it's kind of getting, getting more and more, but – I think magic ushered in that, but staying with basketball for just one more second, two, two things I want to say. One, I think Steph's best move is where he puts the sleep, rocking the baby to sleep, which I, I actually really like because that's funny. Yeah. It's like, okay, I drained this three and you guys are going to lose. And I, I think it's hysterical, but the best one I like is, is the, the too small when uh, they back someone down and, you know, they can't guard them and they point to the ground. I mean, talk about a burn that that's hysterical. And, you know, no one can really do anything about it because they they are too small. And I, I can't remember who did it first, but it's funny when like you know someone someone tries to guard LeBron, he just backs him down and gets a layup and he puts his hand near the ground. It's just I I love it. I think that's very funny. Well, you you mentioned Magic and you mentioned 1979, and you cannot mention 1979 and you cannot mention basketball without his partner in crime, Larry Bird. Larry Bird is widely considered one of the original trash talkers and one of the biggest trash talkers and i believe it was 1983 in a preseason game where he and dr j got in a fight because he told dr j hey it's time for you to retire old man 
And next thing you know, you know, his Dr. J's hands are around Larry Bird's throat. Bark actually it wasn't 83. It would have had to be like 85 because Barkley was a rookie. So Barkley comes over to help and he ends up getting um, fined for instigating, even though that he was just come over trying to pull away everybody away. But, uh, you know, you talk about, you know, whether celebration or, or trash talking. I mean, that was Larry. Larry is kind of considered the original. So when we're also talking about kind of, you know, it used to be very coded words when you watch games and you saw the black players celebrating, there was a lot of coded words around them. But if you really want to talk about some of the original trash talk, it's Larry. Yeah. I, I just think basketball is very evolved. And, you know, I mean, I, I looked the other day at the shot that Jerry West hit the 63 foot shot to tie the game up against the Knicks. And, you know, I think one guy ran over and patted him on the back and that was it. Cause it sent the game in overtime. They didn't win. And actually I think they end up losing in overtime, but you know, in, in the sixties and seventies, whether it's, you know, Wes Unseld or Elvin Hayes or Jerry West or Dave DeBusher or whomever it is, you know, they, they didn't celebrate. They, they were, they were very businesslike. They didn't, they didn't smile a lot, a lot of scowls. I mean, Wilt, I don't think celebrated Russell, you know, Russell would only celebrate when they had won the championship, you know, and it's just different strokes. And, and I, I think, and I, I think it's important to put out there that, you know, I appreciate that, but I don't think it's necessarily the way to go. And I do think these people were a little on the uptight side and not really in touch with what they're doing in a lot of ways. And I think the way it is now, the the actual enthusiasm is is really a, a big part of the game. I think I think you know they celebrate the most in, in football because they you know they if, if the defense has a turnover now you know they all run in the end zone and do something. But I, I like it. I, I I think it shows skin in the game. I think it shows that these guys are not just mercenaries. These guys because I mean you know, you can make a good point, and my non sports fans do make that point. They're like, well you know, what do they get if they win the title? I'm like. I don't know. They get, get they get something more. But when you're making 15 million a year, it doesn't really matter. They can they can purchase whatever they want for the rest of their life. So you can make a good argument. And a lot of my non-sports friends do think these guys are all mercenaries. They don't give a damn what team they're on, whether it's Dallas today and Washington next week, and after that Detroit, and then on to on to sunny California because they'll just go where the highest money is. But I'm like, no, you don't get it. I mean, these guys are not mercenaries. When these guys suit up, they want to win. They are highly competitive beyond. Most people who don't know any real good athletes don't understand just how competitive these guys are. And I'm of the opinion that they they would rather be killed than lose a game. They, They play so hard. So when that's out there and they're playing that hard, yeah, let the emotions come, and I, I, I think it's great, and I think it's kind of sour grapes when these these guys from the '70s say, "Oh, you know, Steph can't shimmy, and and these people can't do that. We would knock him out." Like, yeah, that's that's not really right. What what you're saying is that these guys are having fun now, and they're showing it, and and you know, I think fans expect it. I mean, I think the last thing fans want is is you know someone doing something and not reacting. Like, I watched the Lakers when they had their good run. Uh, but when they won the title and when they last or when they lost the Nuggets and they got this thing where they it's kind of weird they act like they're injecting something in their vein it's not heroin it's like ice water ice water in their veins and they do that I think that's a little weird but you can tell the guys on the bench like it and they're into it and you know when somebody's a big three and then does that it's like yeah man these these guys are into it and I, I I like the idea that the celebrations show that that 
they really want to win. The whole team wants to win, and it's a big deal to them. And, you know, I also find some of the hypocrisy in some of those, you know, get off my lawn guys. I mean, Reggie Miller is a contemporary of Barkley's. Reggie Miller had the whole choke maneuver with Spike Lee in, in the garden. And that's the, what was it, eight points in nine seconds or whatever it was that that Reggie Miller had. And he did the big, you know, choke sign. And then that became kind of a thing. And and Barkley, I'm a huge fan of Barkley's. Like, you know, after, after Dr. J, you know, Barkley became my my favorite player. And, it, you know, Barkley was doing a lot of trash talking and Barkley was doing a lot of stuff. So when he's, you know, talking about Steph, he'd throw him into the stance. Well, that, that may be true. He probably would have fouled him. And also it's very indicative of a lot of these guys that would do that kind of stuff, right? He he could do that to a Steph because Steph is six foot two, maybe six three and, and a buck 80, you know, Sparkles was, you know, six, four and a half, six, five and weighed in some parts of his career, almost 300 pounds. But I mean, when he was really fit, he was still 240 at his size. So they could talk about that. And the same thing. I think this is true. Back to the home run thing. Nobody messed with Reggie. And when you did, Reggie was going to come at you. So you better be a badass because most of those guys weren't. And Reggie was was here to fight. You know, you had you had Nolan Ryan would would back people down and you saw what happened with Robin Ventura. I think that's more of a funny kind of funny thing. But I mean, he was willing to, OK, throw the glove down and, and let's let's go. So you got to be prepared because these guys that, that talk a lot of smack at some point when it goes the wrong way, things happen. And when those things happen, if you're if you're not as tough as you think you are, if you're fake tough. You know, so that I, I think, again, it goes back to nobody messed with Mel Hall. Nobody messed with Jeff Leonard. Nobody. And, and they weren't superstars. Right. They were good players, not great players. And nobody tried to take Ricky out. And Ricky was still in bases on you, flexing, pimping. I mean, even even Ricky, he used to do the, you know, he would hit his glove on his on his on his uh, thigh before he did the snap catch. So he was even doing that on cans of corn in the outfield. And everybody and their brother complained a bit against Ricky. And Ricky, you know, in third person, Ricky don't care. Ricky going to do what Ricky going to do. And that's what just made him, I think, the icon that he became. And, uh, yeah, I, I was I was here for all of it. Well, what do, you, what do you think about the original premise I had about the Vince Lombardi quote? What do you think about the idea is, hey, you know, and, and you get this or you used to get this. I think it's changed, but you could tell when you watch games. I think I think there's clearly some institutional racism from these old white commentators who were offended by the fact these guys would score and gyrate and do these things. What do you think? What do you think the appropriate thing is for scoring a touchdown? Do you flip the ball to your to the ref? Do you do you do a dance? What's what's up? Well, it's still legislated in NCAA, right? That's what you have to do. You're not allowed to spike the ball in, in college still, which is kind of hilarious. But, you know, all of those, do whatever you want. You're the one who scored the touchdown. But they've legislated certain things out. The first thing was Emmett Smith used to go, you know, kneel down and take his helmet off in the end zone. You're not allowed, you know, that, that spawned a rule. You're not allowed to take your helmet off, you know, whether it's a touchdown or not. You're not allowed to take your helmet off on the field anymore. That that legislated a rule. Of course, you have the Terrell Owens, which I thought was just massively hilarious, where 
you know, he had the pen in his sock and then he signs the ball and gives it to somebody in the stands. You had Joe Horn hiding the phone in the goalpost and then making the phone call, you know, allegedly calling his mom saying, hey, mom, I just scored. So I, I, all those things are fine. I, I, I again. Maybe it's because, you know, I am brown. I, I'm with I'm here for that. Like, let, let him do it. And when you hear the old, you know, stodgy white dude announcer like, oh, blah, 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 you know, just just grousing about it. I just think it's hilarious. I was just. I just shared that clip with you the other day about Paul McGuire and Paul McGuire is just like outraged at, you know, at something. It's like, really, Paul, why do you care? The game is the game has evolved so much. And there's been a lot of other things like when Gastineau was, you know, gyrating and doing his thing. Nobody really complained all that much. But then, you know, Junior Seau's doing his lights out and all of a sudden it's a problem. You know, it's like, ah, what's going on here? Yeah, I, I think there's a clear element of <clears throat> of racism to how celebrations are viewed. And since in the NFL and the NBA, you know, high percentage of the, the players are African-American, it, it's tricky. But um, I, I think, you know, I, I think the premise of our show from the start was, hey, how has sports changed? And I think you can make a real good case that that an excellent barometer to how sports has changed is celebrations and I, I think you hit a good one on the head which is um the players have a lot more freedom nowadays and they also know that if if you know if, if you score a touchdown dance for vince lombardi and he puts in the doghouse you don't play if these guys will sit out a year and then get a free agent contract for something much better so it's clear they're running the show the the the, the coaches aren't running the show the gyms aren't running the show the star players are running the show in, in every league. That's just how it is. And if the star players <clears throat> do a celebration, you know, why not? Everyone else can. I, I think you're right. I think it goes to show the change in the disparity of power that, that's gone way more over to the player's side than anything else. And, you know, I just I just think it's really good. I just, like I say, I and I, I don't even mind the bowling ball one and, or the one where they all put their hands in and then fall down like some other thing. I think it's kind of funny. But, you know, I still like the the just the the show of pure unalterated joy of, of doing something well, of, of scoring, you know, a, a, some some goal, whether it's a hoop or a, or a home run or a touchdown in a big game against, you know, very serious competition. I mean, nothing's easy for these guys. It might look easy, but believe me, nothing is easy. You know, you're running the ball. You got 11 Big, strong, mean guys who do anything to keep out of the end zone. So I'm with you. I mean, like, uh, um, but speaking to your point about about kind of paybacks, I, I just thought of this. I can't remember who it was, but the Raiders had a punter, an African-American punter who could really punt it well. King. What was his name? Marquette, Marquette King. Okay. And he had some little dance thing that when he when he kicked one of the coffin corner, like in the five or eight yard line, he'd do something. And I remember a game, and this was this was funny because it's 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 relevant. A chief ran one back for a touchdown, and this guy came over and did the dance right in that punter's face. And that was Travis Kelsey. And I was like, wow, I was mere thinking, like, why is this chief so upset about what this punter does? But believe me, these guys all got major egos and you know, they don't need much of anything to let their chip show. I mean, that's just all it is. They they all play the chip on the shoulder. When I know this is a digression, but it drives me crazy when someone wins the Super Bowl, World Series, the NBA, and they say, 
people counted us out all season. I'm like, this is like, you know, this is like the Celtics or the Steelers. I'm like, really? I, from where I was saying, when people thought you were great all season long, but they just, they just work on this notion that no one thinks they can do it. So if they do it, they can, they can celebrate. And I, I think it's funny that, that, you know, so I, I loved Michael Jordan's finger wag, finger wag against the Kembe. And I thought, Jason Kelsey's dance against this guy was funny. And I, I just think, I just think it's really Travis. good. I, yeah. I also, oh, Travis, right. I also remember a thing where, um, I guess it was the Niners Chargers Super Bowl that the Niners just slaughtered him. And, uh, Dion intercepted a pass. They were ahead like 45 to 20. He intercepted a pass, was jitterbugging around trying to score. And I think Ronnie Harmon just decked him. Just decked him, and then you know, danced over him, and Dan just got up and pointed to the scoreboard like, "Hey, hey, son, you know, you may have tackled me, but it's forty-five to twenty. I remember the announcer was just cracking up, like, "Yeah, Dion got him back." And of course, Dion was one of the, you know, one of the, one of the best guys at. I mean, you know, he he didn't set the pass and just, you know, high step it in with his, the one hand over his ear. I mean, it went right in front of the other team's bench. I mean, he was he was great, and that was a whole kind of, kind of a Florida thing because. University of Miami was just huge in college. You know, they, they had the whole inner city thing and those guys would do major league celebrations and they really brought like the inner city to college football. That's why it was so fun to watch Miami, Nebraska, you know, just like talk about tale of two cities, man. It was two different things, but it, it started this whole idea that you can be emotional, you can be yourself and you can do all this stuff. And it's not unprofessional. It's not Bush league. It's nothing else. And actually, you know, I, I think, I think most fans would be, you know, would be disappointed. Like in the, in the game last week, I mean, some, some, the bills effed up a coverage and Kelsey had a wide open touchdown. He, he fired the ball in the stands. I mean, it's like, yeah, you know I mean? He was happy. You could tell he wasn't showing off. He was just like, man, I just scored and this is great. And I, I think that's great. I, 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 re- I really like it. And I, I think it's a, I think it's a, I think it's a part of sports that's really evolved in a positive way. That being said, I still got get off my lawn on a couple of these contrived ones. But overall, I think it's a totally cool thing. And I, you know, the things that I like the most are the ones that create the rule change where, you know, it's become. Remember the whole uh, Randy Moss pretended to moon everybody. He didn't actually moon anybody, <laughs> but he just pretended to moon anybody. And that, you know, became a flag. And that was you know, that was legislated out. So I you like them, the things. You like them pushing boundaries. Yeah. And, and, you know, what was what Randy even that great? No, it wasn't even. But it was just so funny. Like, wow, he pretended to moon anybody. He didn't actually do it. And the act of that was enough to create a fine and create a rule and create all this stuff. It was like it was it's just hilarious. I just find it find it so funny. And kind of going back and not trying to take us back too far, but, you know, it's very interesting. And we've talked about this before. You know, we talked about Dick Allen and, you know, we, you know, being in Philadelphia in the 60s and some of the challenges that he had, you know, especially with the city and being a black player going into the 70s and only a decade after baseball become became fully integrated. But, you know, another piece of it, which we didn't really bring about is, is you know, the whole DAP, you know, thing, you know, dignity and pride which is kind of born out of, you know, the, the GIs in, in, in Vietnam, especially for the, for the, for the GIs of color, right? That was their way of knowing, Hey, if something goes down, no matter what happens, it's so messed up out here, but I've, I've got you, you've got me. And it was a way of showing this bond, 
and some of that, you know, that's that was born out of the, the late 60s into the early 70s. And I think that's some of the culture that came, you know, that came out into that. And so that's what bore some of those, you know, those black players, especially in the leagues that were still barely getting barely getting integrated. So I think there was some kind of piece of piece of that. It's like, hey, I'm here now and having more power being a superstar player, being able to express yourself also with kind of impunity. It's like, hey, what are you going to do? I'm Reggie Jackson. You're going to do something to me? I'm big enough to fight you. I have, I'm have, i star enough that you need me in this league, and I make enough money that, hey, whatever. Like, you're going to find me? Yeah, so what? Wasn't there some I, – I, I agree with everything you said, but wasn't there some football player also, like, grab the pom-poms of a cheerleader and dance with them? That was kind of a funny one. I can't remember who did that. That was though, Terrell but... Owens. I was it? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I mean, but I think one of the things is it shows that these guys, some of these guys and, you know, I mean, look, let's just let's just take a name from the 60s. Let's just take Merlin Olson or or or, you know, let's just uh, Phil Villa, Villanueva or, or or not the guy. What's the game for the the inside linebacker for the Raiders? Villapiano. Piano. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, these guys, these guys were workers. They were, they were star athletes, Jack Ham. I mean, these guys, and you know, they were emotionless. They did their thing super well. They were tough as nails, but they did it. But that was the culture back then. And you flash forward to, you know, 30 or 40 years later and people are a lot different. And people, I, I just think in society, people are a lot more exuberant. People are a lot more open. People are a lot more prone to show their emotions in, 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 in ways that they feel comfortable at. And it's just, just hang on a second. Guthrie, stop it. It's just one of those things. And I, I think it's, I think it's really helped. I think it's helped the league. I think fans like it. And I think it, I think it just works. And I just, I just think, but I will say, you know, the, the Billy White shoes celebration, you know, that still is one of the, one of the best. It, it's simple, but it was solid. And it, 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 it especially with the funky chicken with with the soul music and everything else and from the historically back black college and coming from houston I, I i think things like that were just great and i imagine his teammates thought it was pretty cool because you know he he could he could score and he could do that thing and it was just it was it was a good way i mean you know the thing that we talk about all the time and and we we never forget is this is a game you know grant's a big business Grant, these teams are worth billions. Grant, some of these guys make tens of millions a year. But it's a game. It's a game that all, all of us have played. Give me a second. Got three. Go, go. This is a game that all of us have played. And, you know, we've all played football in the ER. And we all shoot baskets and all stuff like this. And, you know, it's a game for kids. And these guys are grown men making monster sums of money. But when it comes down to it, you know, when, when it's third and eight, and they score and they go ahead with a minute left, you know, they're letting it all out there. And I, I just think it's totally cool. And I, I, I would hate, to, I mean, I think the NFL just shows it, it's real reactionary side when they do this. That being said, there has to be some limits to things. And, and speaking from, from experience, I was, a, as, as many of our listeners know, I was a trial lawyer for years and used to do jury selection, trying to pick a fair jury. And, uh, you know, people would start asking the goddamn stupidest questions. If you could be a tree, what kind of tree would you be? If you could have dinner with one historical figure, who would it be? And the legislature changed it, and they put time limits on there. So I think some of the celebrations are so wacky that the lake has to say, hey, 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 you know, keep your helmet on, keep your pants on. You know, don't do too much sexually suggestive shit. 
don't don't act like you're killing people. Don't mow them down and th- th- slash their throats. But short of that, knock yourself out, man. It's fun. It's 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 a fun thing. Well, and the other piece I'm here for is I'm here for the beef. I'm here for Madison Bumgarner being pissed at Yasil Puig and Max Muncy and and you know. Bumgarner yelling at them to run if they hit a home run. Bumgarner coming high and in, them, you know, going out. Like, I'm here for all that, too. Like, Bumgarner is a country bumpkin, and 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 he had a lot of his own flaws. He was amazing early, and he probably cost himself a much longer career by doing stupid stuff. And, you know, it's just kind of funny that he gets in a beef with this guy from, you know, you how, diametrically opposed you get this country bumpkin from north carolina and then you got this guy that comes from cuba like i'm here for all that like I, you know i'm a giants fan and it's like all right i'll take Bumgarner's side because you know i'm wearing the i'm wearing the gear but i think it's funny and i'm here for all of it so the celebrations the beef you know putting it in somebody else's face and then you feel like you got to put it back i'm good with all that so anyway yeah. We were all over the map on this one. I, I, I think it's just because we were just too excited to talk about so much stuff. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm here for it. And um, I don't know. <laughs> Being all over the map is good. You're, our format, you know, we, we're just talking. We're just BSing. And we want you guys to listen. It's not going to be a linear thing. It's just all over the place. And, and that's good. And I, 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 think, I think it's good. But I think Celebrations is cool. I think it's changed a lot, and I, I do think this changed for the better. I, I, I like it. I think it shows the emotion, and I think it shows they're not, they're not you know, just these, these robo-hacks. They're just doing anything. They want to win, and when good things happen, they let the, their freak flag fly, and it's like, right on. I'm all for it. So, anyways, that's all I got today. You got anything else? That's it. Okay, man, this is Steve. Thank you for listening, and keep liking us. Keep listening to us. Keep Just keep hanging there because it's all about sports, and that's what we like. Cheers.